Welcome back everyone to part 2 of our episode and interview with Jen. If you've missed part 1, I'll be sure to leave a link down in the description. But with that said, let's go ahead and jump right in. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken and Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. So if you have a patient, since you do a lot of ortho, if you start to see, you know, number one thing you watch out for infections right off the bat. And I'm sure you've seen it. So do you just kind of reach out to the ortho doctor at that point and say, hey, I'm seeing signs of infection. And then they could either bring them in or, you know, they just start them on antibiotics. So one of the things that we can do in the house is because, again, with Kaiser being so integrated, is that I can actually capture, as long with the patient's permission, take a picture in their chart it, through their app, through the application that we use, and it'll actually be posted into their chart. And I can say, hey, can you please take a look at this picture and that I posted cool. into the media for this if we really think that there's a concern, depending on the time of day, we either say, hey, you know what, you need to go to the ortho clinic and have them take a look at this or just send them to urgent care or ER, depending on what's going on at that time. Typically, we never really have any of those issues, but we just send them in at that point. We, we don't do anything more than that and let them decide yeah. once they go in. Yeah. So we just look for the signs and then we do the advising and then we'll send it to the doctor if it's kind of like on the fence a little bit, you're like, ah, it's, it's kind of red, but you're not really having any fevers. You're not really having any anything. So you, you may take a picture of it and send it to the doctor. At that point, I've also sent it to like, I'll send it to a supervising PT and be like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think mm-hmm. it looks like? And have their opinion or, you know, on that as well. So that way I'm not the one just making that decision. I can say, hey, this is what's going on and then send it on to everybody. Have you ever seen an incision dehist? Not like right then. (laughs) She's like post, post dehist. (laughs) 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 We see see a lot of uh, surgery, so maybe. Yeah, no, everything we see is pretty clean and really nice looking. (laughs) Yeah, no, we, yeah, we, everything kind of comes pretty, pretty good to us. So all those ones, nurse nursing goes to see <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, i'm gonna pass this on yeah <laughs> well that definitely is a nursing issue right there so and if you know if, we, if there's any question we also have access to social workers so we can ask request for a social worker to come out to see patients which is nice as well too that's so, so. cool it really sounds like uh, they've got it set up where it's a really well-rounded working together integrated care which is Unfortunately, that we don't see that more often. I feel like yeah. that should be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, the... for. Oh, you go ahead. I was going to say, for all the things you know, people always say about like big insurance companies are working this way, just having that one stop shop type thing where we do have access. So let's just say I had a patient who went to go and have a doctor's appointment yesterday, I can look to see what changed at that doctor's appointment. Did the doctor give them new medications? I can look at their notes and everything or what's coming up for them in terms of appointments as well. So it's it's really easy to kind of just be like cohesive and and be like, okay, this is what's coming 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 up. I oh, I saw you went into the doctor yesterday. Oh, I saw you went into the ER over the weekend. Hey, what's going on? I read the doctor's notes. And then, you know, that way when you go in there, you're not like so, 
you had a sore right. <laughs> Something happened, yeah. Shanita. Or they're like my patient the other day who's like, I'm working halfway through and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, they might be looking for a DVT. What? <laughs> Oh, right, like, yeah. So it's like, has something you tell me up front. <laughs> if you do, like, if you do the chart, like for us, if we do our chart review the way that we should, and they've gone to a Kaiser facility, it, it will be there. So when you walk oh, in, you say, "I saw you went to the ER. I went to urgent care, and they're looking for a DVT. I saw that." <laughs> so, but at right? that point, depending, I know, it's on, a, so I pretty much you're like, getting like the whole medical chart, right? And then I can, and if there is a big change, like say somebody did go to the ER, I can also say, hey, you know what? I really think a PT should go see this patient because there could be a change in their status. This is not necessarily appropriate for me to go see Mm -hmm. at this point because nobody really knows at that point. The patient doesn't know when I walk in, they have no clue if I'm a nurse, PT, PTA, CNA, any of it. Half the time, they don't know the difference between any of us. So we have to, we have to tell them the difference <laughs> between us. They just and think, oh, we you, have to be the ones to medical. Like, you everything. have scrubs on. What are yes. you here for? Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no, I shouldn't be here. So as long as we can look at their chart and say, hey, you know what? Now the patient was in the hospital overnight. Maybe a PT should go see them because there may be a change in, you know, uh, orders or different things like that. Or if there's a change in orders, then it's time so for them to go. So do you try to do like a chart review before you leave home so you can catch up before you're in their house. I, yeah. So I'll, what I'll do is I'll try to confirm the patients so that I don't chart review on anybody that I'm not, that I'm not seeing <laughs> because you know, so everything changes. So I'll confirm them and then I'll chart review and Then I'll be like, Oh dang, I can't, I never, it doesn't happen very often. I'm like, Oh, I got to change this patient. And then you got to call and be like, by the way, it's not going to be me after all. <laughs> <laughs> I read uh, your chart. Yeah, at, least kind like, of hard. at least you're paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's what so. I'm spinning as. I was just being <laughs> very good at my job. And, you know, I noticed this before I arrived. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, how's the, the communication as far as the patient's families or like their caregivers or anybody else in the home? Like any trouble with that? Or are they pretty compliant as far as? Hey, just make sure they're up and walking. Make sure they don't stay sitting for too long. Or is it kind of um, just everybody's a little bit most, different? Yeah, everybody's a little different, but I would say most caregivers are really on board with what we're doing with the patient and really kind of are the ones who are making this whole thing work for the patient to be able to be at home versus going to a sniff or going, you know, and not being able to come home after the surgeries. To be honest, actually, I think with us, um, in terms of surgeries, this doesn't is not necessarily for our medical patients. But in terms of surgery, if you don't have a caregiver at home, they won't send you home, mm. or they won't actually actually they'll cancel the surgery. They won't do the surgery if you don't have yeah. somebody at home because they're not going to send you to a sniff after an elective surgery like that. But and you know unless they have to, but that's like last resort. But the caregivers and everybody they're usually really on board and and the the hardest part of the caregiving piece is that there is a lot of patients because our demographic is mostly elderly that don't have family who can help them so they're trying to rely on friends a lot of them are on their income is is fixed income yeah fixed income so trying to hire caregivers is the hard part and so that's the that's where kind of social workers come in for us to try to 
work with those patients to try to figure out how to get them the caregiving that they need. But at that point, it's kind of like, not that it's not a, not a physical therapy problem, but at the same time, you know, it's like we can't fix if you don't have a caregiver. We can try to give you the resources, though, as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. So, but most of the caregivers are on board, and they're the ones who actually get these patients through 100%. So, I, I did not realize how hard it was being a caregiver until I did it for my dad. <laughs> and it was an elective surgery that he decided to do, and it was horrible. <laughs> I, I so, kind of did the caregiver for my parents. They both went through cancer treatment at the very same oh, time. My. And my mom kept going, oh, yeah, we're the cancer house. And I'm like, can you please stop <laughs> saying that? I'm living here right now. Please don't put that juju on me. I was like, goodness gracious, lady. I was like, glad yeah, you have a good attitude. But <laughs> yeah, the hardest part is just having the people there. And, you know, a lot of times their kids scatter you know, they they go to college, they move away, they stayed where they went to college, and now, you know, they're like, no, we're the only ones who live here. So that's the hard part, I would say. The hardest part is if you don't have family or friends trying to get assistance, then you're looking at paid assistance. Or they, the, out here, they, the county does have in-home support services. But it's really difficult just because they don't, like with a lot of government... They don't even have people because it's not an easy job and they don't pay a whole lot. Yep. That's that makes sense. About right. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Not, not what we'd like to see, but we'll, no. we'll work the best with what we've got. With what we've got. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Do the best by what we can do. Mm-hmm. So now I know we've talked about it and you've been in the field for longer than both me and Ken. And so Come what on. have you seen over? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> I said combined. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if it's combined, but. It's pretty close. <laughs> it's pretty close. I, I was doing the math in my head. I was like, yeah, it's, it's very close. I'm still but what have you seen kind of like changed over the years? Because a lot has changed, I feel like. And definitely you saw pre, during, and post-COVID. And would you think things have been changing for the better yeah I don't know. pick your brain on that. it's really hard because i do follow different groups and different things that are going on with ptas in different parts of the country with pay and how insurance pays mm-hmm. and i feel like i live in a bubble over here <laughs> kind of since um, they're all their own Yeah, so because, you know, I work basically for a large insurance company that insures, I don't really know how ours works in terms of like, oh, is Medicare going to pay less or anything like that? So I don't know about any of those changes. So I don't know. Just in case people don't know, Kaiser has their own insurance, like they're their own health company and their own insurance. So if you have Kaiser insurance, you're going to like Kaiser properties. Properties. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like if you have Medicare, you have Medicare that's covered through or like you surrender it to Kaiser. It's like they're like Medicare Kaiser. It's like an anthem blue cross Medicare or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So um, so I'm not really sure exactly how that goes in terms of like changes. Man, I feel like for this last seven years, I've been it's like Groundhog Day for me. Except for COVID. (laughs) Except for COVID. You said you get to chart at home now. 
So now after the visits, yeah. So I'll chart, I'll try to chart like in my car right after the visits instead of in the house. Yeah. COVID kind of changed a lot of that kind of stuff. We're not seeing too many more COVID patients. We used to see COVID patients. So that's a nice change because trying to put on the whole full PPA while you're standing outside in a hundred degree weather is. No, that sounds like so much fun. It is. And you can't get cool. Like once you walk in and you're in that stuff, forget it. Like you don't, you don't cool down even if you're standing in front of the fan going, please just. (laughs) It's like your whole core temperature is just rised at that point. Yeah. So yeah, no, I had not changes. There's not been, not that. Yeah. Isn't that weird? For, For seven years, it's been a lot of the same for us, at least out here. More PTAs. I think that's probably been our biggest change is that we're adding PTAs because I think that at least where we are, they're seeing the value in that because that's awesome. You know, you can pay us less, even though you're, you know, to go do the follow ups or you pay a PT to go do the follow ups when it makes business wise more sense to pay the PTAs to do the follow ups and have the mm-hmm. PTs do some starter cares and check in on them and then do some discharges. And everything, I think, business-wise, it makes more sense. I agree so. on that. Like, unless you're doing a bunch of evals at one place, I don't get why people are hesitant about PTAs, honestly. Because with basic insurance, I'm not saying Medicare or anything like that. At least in Nevada, most insurance will pay the exact same amount for a follow-up visit for a PT or a PTA doing it. I want to say I feel like it's kind of the same here, too. So it it just makes more sense to have the PTA do the follow-up and the PT do the eval and and be... I will say when I was at the SNF, it was the same way, though. We had PTAs, and the PTAs would basically do a lot of the evals and discharges, and the PTAs would do all of the... the, Yeah, which is all the fun stuff. Who wants to do all that paperwork? Oh, my Uh God, the paperwork, the... I don't know. I, don't, I guess they just changed to an Oasis something. I'm not exactly sure. I don't. I only know because I get the emails. I'm like, oh, that doesn't pertain to me. Thank God. <laughs> You're like, ah, I'm not mine. <laughs> now, if you check like your a... emails, I'm like, Ken. <laughs> I always forget. There's only five of us. If if it's important, they'll just tell me what they need. Oh yeah, yeah. We get all the the. It's just basically just out to all of the rehab department or the whole home health company, you know, department, and so you just get all of those. Yeah, so you're like, oh yeah, no, I don't really need to know like any of that kind of stuff. Even though I, you know, kind of do because you just sit there and listen through meetings and different things like that. But the amount of paperwork. So there's. When there are PTs, their acuity is the same thing. It's still five, but if they're doing an eval, then they're getting like 2.25 for an eval. So really, you know, they're doing maybe two evals a day and they're at full time at that point. Two evals and maybe a follow-up at that point. That's so crazy. (laughs) Let's go see three patients a day. Five even sounds crazy to me. I see, what, I think last Monday I saw 18. How? how? <laughs> I want to know that. Still, I, I do. I'm that's like, still I know. less so than I do where work... we saw where we used to work. Yeah, where we used to work was a, like 25 to 30 a day. I was seeing over 100 visits a week, and that's not including ones Easily. I was helping out with. Yeah. How? Okay, so how? Out. I guess on the other side now, I'm turning into the ER. Yeah. 
viewer. Go for it. <laughs> How do you make a connection with your patients if you're if you're seeing so many patients like that? I'm really good at that. You get really good at finding something you can connect with because I'm with you. I don't like awkward silence. So like I'm always talking to my patients and that's my downfall with my notes because I, I don't get them done because I'm having a full conversation <laughs> instead where they're like, oh, you can put them on a bike and you can do your last notes while they're on the bike for 10 minutes. And I'm like, no, I'm sitting there chit-chatting with them yeah. the whole entire time. So I've never kind of had that problem, but it's the burnout and it's the notes. Your notes get crappy, I'll be honest. The day I see the most patients most basic note you will get from me it's not very detailed <laughs> it covers <laughs> covers the basics <laughs> and that's that's all you're getting so i don't know like 18 wasn't bad in a nine hour day it it's just like you would sometimes have like i would be triple so i have three patients in and then we knew our patient caseload pretty well too like what we do and so there'd be patients we looked at and you're like okay you're high level and I can tell you, hey, we're going to do this and you're going to mainly do it on your own. But I might give a few corrections here and there. And I can have like three of those easily where we have more of our balanced patients. And we're like, mm, at most, I'll put you with a high level and a balance, but I won't really try to do two balance or something like that together. So you kind of just start to learn your caseload pretty well and what works the wow. best. But I start tomorrow at a new location. So... It'll be a whole new world for me. I went from having one PT and me in like the small outpatient clinic to I think I'm going to four PTs, two PTAs, two CODAs, or sorry, not CODAs, just OTs. And so it'll be larger. So it'll be interesting how that's going to work. Oh. Yeah, I, I guess because like I get one-on-one, I'm a little bit spoiled in that way. Because I get about 45 minutes to an hour one-on-one with the patient. It's just good most of the time. And sometimes you're like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> but we are required to do, as part of our charting and everything like that, we do do vitals. So every visit, every every patient, we get vitals. We do have to do a medication reconciliation. So we do have to just go over. Our scope of practice is not to advise, not to do. We just check. Are you taking this? Yes. Are you taking it the way it's prescribed? Yes. If it's they're not, we report back to the doctor. I was about um, to say that's a follow up with your doctor. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. we don't do any kind of like, or we just say, hey, you know, even if it's something over the counter like vitamins, we message the primary doctor, hey, this patient started taking a daily vitamin. Please add it to the medication list. Sometimes they do. Most of the time they don't. But, you know, especially for over the counter stuff and everything but we do have to give that information to the primary doctor because we're kind of like the... so and then we do our treatment which is maybe about for me it ends up being like 25 to 30 minutes and then hopefully by then I'm getting ready to finish so my goal is to be out of there in about 45 minutes typically it's more like 50 minutes to an hour <laughs> Because I talk too much. (laughs) I'm with you. That would be. I talk too much. I know. I've always said my biggest fear of home health is just going to someone else's house and the smells, unfortunately. I think it depends on where you go. I think it really depends on where you go. She's got a really sensitive nose. 
the type of yeah <laughs> yeah we, well and yeah, we're seeing a lot of elective surgeries so you know a lot of those patients like they clean their house before we're going to come because they know that people are coming to their house versus okay. like maybe medical sense. patients who you know they don't know that that's going to end up happening or you know they've had been in this medical situation for so long or you know different things like that i mean i've mm -hmm. definitely been in my share of houses there was a house that I went to that the social worker would not even go to. That's that's like, bad. Now that's I'm bad. intrigued. <laughs> what was so wrong you got with my this attention. Act? Continue. Was there a body like down below? What was going there on here? Was so many cockroaches. Uh yes. It was the it was the cockroach part of that. And like <laughs> it was so bad that I elect so we have to wash our hands at the beginning of the visit. But because it was so bad, I just used hand sanitizer to wash. Like you didn't even want to go near the sink. Yeah, it was that bad. It was definitely that, that bad. She's like walked bad. out. She's like, "Oh, I forgot. I'm supposed to down down all this PPE." <laughs> well, <laughs> even though you're not you COVID, don't, <laughs> you don't take in. You don't take your. You know, you don't take your equipment into places like that because you don't want to come home with anything like that so you know you take in the bare minimum everything you can fit in your pockets because <laughs> you got your your vitals equipment and your in a plastic bag you got everything else in your pockets she was a medical patient but a lot of times like i don't i don't blame people who are I, i'm more of like the people who are caregiving for them there's mm -hmm. a reason i'm coming to see them they can't be doing this stuff so the people around you need to be doing this stuff for you that's part of the caregiving part yeah. So I know. And, you know, and, but and a lot of times I just try to be like, people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, don't worry about it. You're right now, you're trying to get better. This is the least of your worries that I'm coming in here. And, like, you know, my house is relatively clean, but I'll say, you don't know what my house looks like. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you don't need to know that everything's put away. Yeah. But I'm like, you can come in on a day where it looks like a tornado came in and, you, and, you know, you could, think that you know but yeah so but we don't get too much too there's not too much i've never had any problems with feeling unsafe in this position where again it depends on the neighborhoods that you're going into mm -hmm. most of the patients are very very nice it's usually the elements around them neighbors friends family that are more of the people we do have kaiser did implement where we do we can call for help if needed so that we can get that going for for our safety isn't that just called 911 other than other than 911 we have a, we have a, but i was like i was about to say i'm pretty sure there's something right we have a we have a, button. we have a button on our person that we can call so it's not so yeah. obvious so if it's a it's in a situation where you can't get to 911 you've got some Yeah or you don't want to escalate or anything yep. like that but I yeah mine I has collected dust cuz I've never felt the need to have to ever do that so and well, I and I, I think that, my next uh, question yeah. was going to yeah. be like did you ever press the button No on accident and I'm like freaking out that the, the you know emergency was going to come cops up. Start I'm like up. my supervisor I'm like I accidentally pushed the button and I'm like Oh no! You have to you have to push it a bunch of times, and you have to do all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. Then, then, then nobody's coming. Yeah, well, there's no safety. Say, now that shows you don't know like, how to use so. it. Yeah, there is no they're safety like, on that, the button. They're like, we're gonna have you come in for a refresher. How to use the button? Yeah, how and when? 
<laughs> a little course. So it's okay, you do, know. When... They do track us, so that's another thing. Again, that's somewhat new. I think legally something had changed at the beginning of the year where you have to clock in and clock out at a patient. I thought that it was something that all home health agencies had to do. I, I don't know for sure, uh, but we do. So at the beginning of the year, it started when I get to a patient, I click start visit and mm -hmm. it's tied to GPS. So they know how long I've actually been there. And then when I leave the visit, I clock out. I'm leaving this area because of the stories that everybody's heard about clinicians going in and saying that they were there for 45 minutes and they were there for five minutes. And yeah. they just basically had the person sign their paper and were like, see ya. So, or just even being in places that they said they were and they never were, or different things like that. So now People it's kind of a way. Using the system. Right. And I think the government basically had said, well, we don't want to pay for people who are not actually providing these services. So we want a way to verify that you are actually providing these services. So there's two different ones. So we do our normal, regular patients. And then if we have Medi-Cal patients, that, those ones are actually sent to the state or something to that was verified that we had provided that, that service to that patient. So in a way, it's good because it's keeping the people who are not honest, honest. But the rest of us, like I was doing that anyways. I was always where I, supposed to, where I yeah. was supposed to be. So it's just one extra step. I don't really, it doesn't bug me. I just have to press an extra button. But I was always saying what I needed to. The hardest part is probably just remembering at the beginning when they sent that rule out. And you're like, oh, it was like, for 10. <laughs> email like three weeks in, like, hey, you forgot to clock in on this patient. I'm like, in like three weeks. <laughs> Dude, I would probably <laughs> been like, been like here, start it. this. And then I would have forgotten by the second patient. Yeah, because they always like spot check everything, right? Like they just take a pool of charts. They take a pool of the GPS. They take a pool of everything. And maybe you just get like, that's just your 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 time to shine with that. So that's what we do. So yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I know we again clearly as have always, gotten more <laughs> I was gonna I'm ask sorry. Too. I was like, as far as like a no, temperature no, check, no, no, we do don't be okay, sorry. Like... We we enjoy this clearly. We we go all day long. But we'll probably split this into like the two episodes. But any I know we kind of wrap up here, but any last things or advice that you give to those who are kind of looking for this type of job? Because it is a slightly different position in home out. It is. So for the last few years, I have gone back to the new PTA classes who are coming in. And so there's like a lot of things that, you know, of course, when you're in school, home health is like, that's where you want to go because that's where you're going to make all the money. But what I always tell everybody, I was like, it, it really should not be your first job at all. Mm -hmm. Like there's, you just don't have enough training. There's not enough, like, you know, you assimilate a Maxis's transfer in, in your class and you have your classmate and you're like, all right, you know, try not to help. And yeah, they're like, yeah, it's not happening. 50% helping. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden you go out in the field and you're like, really you have to transfer a Max dependent patient? And then you're like. So I always tell people that go and get some experience. SNF was a great place for me to start. I think the hospital is, I think, a really great place to start because you are working with those lower level patients that you're going to see at home by yourself. Like okay. when I walk into a house, it's me and I'm trying to a lot of times train their caregivers or their family to, to do the things that I'm doing. 
So you you want to be confident in the things that you know how to do. So working at the SNF, the CNAs were the best teachers I ever had. They taught me how to do rolling patients to be able to change them without actually getting out of bed, Hoyer lifts, working with other therapists that have been there a long time on those max dependent transfers. Because let me tell you, when I got there, it was, ooh, I, I had to practice those a lot. So it was like, <laughs> oh, it was a max dependent. Let's give it to her. To, you know, and so I would, I was able to co-treat and learn from the PTs that were there to mm-hmm. be able to be confident in there because you're going to be going in there. And when you're in there by yourself, yes, you're a PTA, but they just see you as a clinician. And right then and there, you're the person that they're kind of clinging to, to teach them all the things that you need. And so you need to be confident in your skills to be able to do it. And I think being at the home health and for us working with Kaiser, we have so many resources, but that's not typical from what it sounds like with other home health companies that, you know, we don't, I, I remember there was during COVID, I had a patient who had COVID and I was able to request the PT to come with me. So we actually did a co-treat on a patient because the patient was so dependent that there was no way I was going to be able to do it by myself. Like I left that patient crying the first time because it was just him and his wife. So I was able to get that support to have the PT come with me. Whereas like, you know, I don't think that's typical. And so definitely going and getting the experience somewhere else. The other hard part though, is that a lot of times like right now working with Kaiser, they want you to have experience. So how do you get experience when, you know, <laughs> people are hiring, only hiring people who have experience. Cool experience. So, yep. yeah. so just finding, you know, per diem positions out there, you know, anything to kind of get your foot in the door with home health there as well. So, yeah. Maybe definitely. take a job on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Take a couple hours here and there. At least so you yeah, can. they're always looking for people in the evenings, you know, if you can do a couple of patients in the evening or something like that, just to kind of gain experience and everything like that. But yeah, definitely no home health for your first visits, <laughs> our first job. <laughs> I, I agree I think, with that. I think we only know one person that went straight into home health and we're like, oh, how did that go? Because <laughs> yeah. like you said, like, I feel like that, especially because being on your own, like in Nevada, we can't do it because of yeah. our we have a 2000 hour rule where we need to, which equates about a year worth of being a PTA. And then once we finish our 2000 hours, then we can work in home health and those places where we can just be on our own. Because oh, the 2000 hours. Yes and no. Whoa, whoa. Uh, I'm just kidding. Mm, it, because, okay, well, it does make it hard <laughs> to even get into sniffs out here because it's direct supervision is a 2000 hour rule. Oh, so a lot so of sniffs. You can't go into sniffs either to do some of them, yeah. Some of them won't hire PTAs if they only have one PT who's they're juggling or going between like right. sniffs doing evals. So like that's the part that sucks is like even at hospitals or sniffs. Yeah, like in the acute setting, even yeah, like you, you would have to mimic your supervising PT schedule, and as soon as they leave, like you have to leave too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. So I do one, think it's important they, they, for think... PTAs to get that experience especially going into home health where you're on your own and you do have a lot of resources for Kaiser, but we know some other ones where, like you said, like they don't have the same amount of resources, the context they can reach out. And if you're in those difficult positions with no experience at all, it's just, 
not saying you can't get through it, but it's just going to be much more stressful than it ought to be. That or you risk injury or safety. Yeah, safety for yourself, safety for the patient. Mm -hmm. So I do agree. I do think that gaining some experience before going to home health would be ideal. Not saying that you can't do it because we know people who have. But I think it's definitely better to have that under your belt. (laughs) It's recommended. Yeah. It's merely a suggestion. It's a a good suggestion. And I will say, like I said, my experience working with PTs and home health has been very, very good. I know that's not the way it goes with everybody in every area. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there that the PTs I work with in Riverside County have been, they, they're like, is there a PTA who can go and see this patient? Like, (laughs) They will push patients on us and be like, hey, can you see this one? Or, you know, they they definitely are. We definitely have a really good working environment here and relationship. Yeah, exactly. But I do know I've heard of other that, you know, PTs can get a little bit territorial and not really want PTAs to go and see their patients, especially in home health because of that direct supervision. But I think we have a lot of younger PTs who they don't know. They, they don't they don't know a relationship any different between a P, you know, like they've always had a PTA. So it's kind of like their sidekick and mm-hmm. they treat us like very well as their sidekick. So. Right. I, I think <laughs> that you struggle sometimes with new PTs coming out, wanting to have like full control. I call it a little bit of the God complex, but then you also on the flip side have those who are, older and you know they've seen pts more or ptas more as aids and so you know that's what they've always known ptas as and so like you're like no it's changed there's a lot more schooling there's a lot more going into it there's a lot and so they have a hard time really who's she and the nicest way you find that middle ground (laughs) and i think right now for somehow somehow we have found those pts who are definitely in more in that middle ground and so it's been it's been a very good working relationship but i can tell you it's not been that way everywhere yeah and that goes for any (laughs) setting honestly i've seen in (laughs) sniffs i've seen it in outpatient so i've seen it all but but again thank you so much for coming on honestly this was amazing i've i've learned that i'm in the wrong again the wrong i feel like every single time we talk to someone at home health i know i'm like that that inkling to like ah should we try home health honestly i probably would have (laughs) homes didn't scare me yeah i mean that is a pretty big hurdle for you to get over if you ever decided to do home health because you know you have to go to their home exactly that's can can i have home health come to me you sure started my uh, home during covid when we were still wearing masks I know, right? That has scared me even more just because I've heard horror stories out here of COVID patients like it just being bad, like they would do nothing and not clean. So, no. Yeah, but I mean, at least like with a mask, you can kind of mask. Mask Mask is when you put like (laughs) biofreeze in the mask. Some of the smell, some of the... It was very Paper weird rib. coming out of that. I know we're, I'm going to end up starting a new story, so we should probably. But when we stop wearing Next masks, time, we'll go through two years. <laughs> we'll have you come back on, and we'll go through your. I'd love to pick your brain of really what it was like actually going through COVID. I know we didn't we touched on a little bit, but maybe. All right, I still have a few time. questions too, but we're definitely up there, so I'll save them for next time. 
I can be a special guest. (laughs) Yes, come on again. We'd love to have you. I was about to say, actually, you know, after this, we'll we'll chit chat. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Appreciate it. But so. thanks again, everybody, for listening. Yes, thanks again thank so you. much, Amber, for coming on. Really enjoyed it, clearly. But guys, don't forget to follow on Instagram. That's where we're the most active. And if again, you guys want to join, that's how Jennifer was willing to come on podcast. She had reached out to us saying she was interested and wanted to share her story. And we were like, yes, come do it. So again, people don't have to listen to just me and Laura all the time. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And again, the big thing is we want these stories to get out there because I would never have known that was maybe even an option in home health where you're doing that kind of setting. And it sounds kind of like a nice little perfect in between. So yeah, follow us, reach out to us. Don't forget to check out the new YouTube videos. Um, Share, like, all the good things. Uh, I'm not missing anything, Ken. That's pretty much everything. All right, guys. Well, till next time. The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.